At this time, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. This is also found in your worship guides on page 12. And if you are willing and able, please stand for the reading of God's word. And as we read... God's word, I remind you of the words of Paul later in Romans, who said, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Hear now God's word, Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Some of you might know that Becky and I are trying to buy our first house. As you can imagine, the number of questions is, let me just say, overwhelming. Lots and lots of questions. Should we buy a house in this market or should we continue renting? How many bedrooms and bathrooms do we need? After hearing last week's sermon, I am very thankful that I don't need space for a pet tiger. Very thankful for that. But how much space do we need for a growing family of five? How much space do we need? Where would we like to live? Which school district? Do we want to fix her upper? What do we think of this house or that house? At the end of the day, I think all of these questions boil down to one question. What is God's will? What is God's will? God, what would you have us do? We want to please you. All that we have is yours. We want to faithfully steward it. What is your will? What should we do? What is God's will? Does the question resonate with you? You may not be in the market for a house, but each day, in some way or another, you are faced with the question, what is God's will? What would he have me do? And when you pray... Do you ever feel at a loss for words? God, I don't even know what to pray. If so, if those questions resonate with you, then this scripture, these verses are for you. These verses are for you and for your encouragement. What reason do we have to be encouraged? Here's the main idea of these two verses. Although you don't know what to pray... The Spirit does. And because he prays for you, you have hope that God's will is always fulfilled in your sufferings now as you wait to be glorified with Christ. That's the main idea. And that's a long sentence, so let me read it once more. Although you don't know what to pray, the Spirit does. The Spirit knows what to pray. And because he prays for you, you have hope You have hope that God's will is always fulfilled in your sufferings now 
as you wait to be glorified with Christ. I find it helpful to organize this sermon around three main points. Here they are. First, our handicap in prayer. Second, our helper in prayer. And third, our hope in prayer. Our handicap, our helper, and our hope in prayer. So first, our handicap in prayer. As you know, it's the season for graduations. Troy and Amy are away this weekend at Grove City College for Lydia's graduation. Maybe you know of others who are walking this spring. It was four years ago that I graduated from seminary. At my commencement ceremony, the closing comments were given by the late David Paulison. And his comments, his comments were actually read by someone else because he had recently entered hospice for, I think it was stage four pancreatic cancer. So his comments were read by someone else. And Paulison began by referencing, of all verses, Romans 8.26. He referenced this verse and how the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Here's what he said. Weakness is singular. It does not say weaknesses, as if there were a finite list of sins and sufferings in your life. Weakness, singular, is a comprehensive description of our human condition. We are perishable. We are mortal. We face a multitude of afflictions in our lives. And we are sinful, bent from the heart toward pride, self-righteousness, fear of man, and a multitude of desires and fears that beset us. The mercies of God meet us in this comprehensive condition of weakness. Do you have many weaknesses? Yes, we all do. But in verse 26, and what, Paul, what Paulison was referencing, is the fact that Paul does not say that the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, as if we could list a finite number of sufferings and sins on a spreadsheet. He doesn't say weaknesses. No, in verse 26, weakness is singular. What is our human condition? Weakness. Weakness. This makes me think about how many people in our church family work in the medical field. Maybe you've talked with Dr. Chris Hermanson or someone else to help diagnose something that you're feeling. In verse 26, what Paul is doing is he's diagnosing what you're feeling in life. It's not a rare condition. It's a common condition. It's the condition of each one of us. It's not a temporary condition. It's a chronic condition from the moment of, from the moment of conception to the grave. And it's not an isolated condition. It doesn't impact part of you, but all of you. So what's your diagnosis? What's your common, chronic, and comprehensive condition? What are you feeling each and every day? Weakness. Weakness. To put it another way, we are dust. Earlier in gathered worship, we listened to Dustin read from Psalm 103. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Now I'm sure that none of you have dust on your dressers and windowsills at home. I'm sure you're diligent dusters. But just imagine, hypothetically, that there's dust at your home. 
How strong is dust? How self-sufficient is dust? How independent is dust? One wipe of the dusting cloth and it's gone. This also makes me think about how Becky has been going through our kids' clothes. She's been switching over winter clothes to spring and summer clothes. And I noticed one of the shirts had a collage of words on it. I think the words were strong, brave, smart. Maybe there are a few others. But one was missing, the most obvious one of all. Weak. Weak. I'm not sure how much that would sell. But that word was missing. Weak. Paul, in this verse, is diagnosing our human condition, weakness. And how does our neediness and helplessness and dust-likeness show itself? How do we know that this is true, even in our practical day-to-day experience? How do we know this is true? Well, it shows itself in many ways, but in verse 26, Paul says that our weakness shows itself in prayer. In prayer. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. For we do not know. To my knowledge, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but to my knowledge, this is the only time in the book of Romans when Paul says that we don't know something. To my knowledge, it's the only time when he says we don't know. The book is filled with we know, we know. Here's a sampling. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. We know that nothing good dwells in us, that is, in our flesh. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. We know, we know, we know. Now in verse 26, it's as though Paul slams on the brakes and he says, We don't know. Well, Paul... What is it that we don't know? What do we not know? And he says, we don't know what to pray for as we ought. As I studied this, of course, I was was wondering, what, what does this mean? After all, every Sunday here at Proclamation, we pray the Lord's Prayer. It's what Jesus gave his disciples, what he gave us to know what to pray. Not only that, but we have all of God's word. To know what to pray, we open God's word and pray it back to our Heavenly Father. Paul knows that. So in what sense does he say now we don't know what to pray? Do you understand the question? What what is Paul saying here? In what sense do we not know what to pray? We have all of God's word. We have the Lord's Prayer. What does he mean? Well, at the end of verse 27 there's a small phrase that clarifies what he means. At the end of verse 27, he writes, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The key phrase is according to the will of God. Paul says that the Spirit prays according to the will of God. In other words, the Spirit perfectly understands he exhaustively understands the full will of God and he prays accordingly. The Spirit, who is God, the third person of the Trinity, exhaustively knows and prays according to the Father's will. Can you do that? None of us can. 
None of us can. And what does this prove? It proves our weakness. Whether we're buying a home, or parenting children of any age, or caring for aging parents, or deciding who to marry, or starting a new business, or weighing options for health care, or cancer treatment, or any number of things, we are faced with countless questions that boil down to this. God, what is your will? What is your will? What would you have me do? I want to please you. I want to obey you. What would you have me do? What is your perfect will in this situation? And we just don't know. We don't know. Paul is not speaking hypothetically here. He's, he knows from his own experience what it's like to not know what to pray. Do you remember when he prayed three times that God would remove a thorn from his flesh? We don't, want, we don't know what he meant by thorn, but we do know that Paul pleaded for God to take away and relieve his suffering. He said three times, God, please take this away. But it wasn't God's will. The Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul prayed and prayed and prayed, and the Lord's answer was no. No. No, my grace is sufficient for you. This story from Paul's life reminds me of the context of these verses in Romans. If you were here last week, you heard Pastor Troy preach on the previous section. And if you're here, remember, what is it that sustains us in sufferings? What is it that undergirds and supports us in the midst of sufferings now while we wait for glory with Christ. It's the, it's the hope of future glory. That hope sustains us in our sufferings. We share in the sufferings of Christ now, but we have certainty. We have, it's not a possibility, but a certainty that the day is coming when we will be glorified with Christ. Suffering, then glory. Suffering, then glory. Think about that theme. If that is the theme that is on Paul's mind as he pens these words, does it surprise you? Does it surprise you that he talks now about prayer? As I studied this passage, I wondered why does Paul all of a sudden start talking about prayer? Suffering then glory, now he's talking about prayer. What's the connection? And I wonder, in the midst of suffering, what do we do? We pray. We pray. Paul is very present as he writes these words. He's thinking about suffering. And I wonder if that just leads him to think about his own suffering and prayer and how, God, how how do I even pray? How do I even pray? We recognize our need. We cry out to God in prayer. And Paul is perhaps reflecting on our universal experience of coming before God and just not knowing what to pray. In our suffering, what do we pray? What is God's will? So that's our handicap in prayer. That's our need. In the midst of hurt and devastation and confusion and pain and weariness, what do we pray? What is God's perfect will for me in this 
suffering. I don't know. As he was dying from cancer, Paulison said, the mercies of God meet us in this comprehensive condition of weakness. So how does God do that? If that's our handicap, how does God meet us? How does he provide for us? How is he there for us in our weakness? One way is by giving us a divine helper. This is our second point, our helper in prayer. In verse 26, Paul writes, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit, he does so much. He does so much. It's astonishing as you begin to study all that the Spirit is and does. The Spirit regenerates us. He unites us with Christ. He brings us to faith. He washes and sanctifies and justifies us. He leads us. He pours God's love into our hearts. He prompts us to live by the law of the Spirit. More could be said. That's just scratching the surface. Here, Paul says that the Spirit helps us. The idea is not that the Spirit comes along and gives us a boost. The the thought here, the idea here is not that we can pretty much do it on our own, but the Spirit gives us that helping hand up. No, the idea is that the Spirit gives us a help that we cannot do without. He is our helper, and without him we we can't do something. How does the Spirit help us? He intercedes for us. Listen again to what Paul says, starting about halfway through verse 26. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit helps us by praying for us. If you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit prays for you. The Spirit prays for you. Did you know that you have two divine intercessors? Not one, but two. If you are in Christ, if you are a Christian, then it's not only your Savior in heaven who intercedes for you, but his Spirit does as well from within you. As someone puts it, the children of God, we, the children of God, have two divine intercessors. Christ is their intercessor in the court of heaven, and the Holy Spirit is their intercessor in the theater of their own hearts. You have two divine intercessors. One is in heaven, one is within you. Maybe you already know this, but did you know that the Holy Spirit intercedes for you? For you. Personally, in these verses, Paul tells us that one way the helper, the helper sent by the Father and the Son, one way the helper helps us is by interceding for us with groans too deep for words. Now what does that mean? What are groanings too deep for words? It's a really good question. And we're not entirely sure. But here's a really good answer. What are these groanings? 
These groanings are the inexpressible longings that rise up in every believer's heart to know and do the will of God. These groanings are the inexpressible, too deep for words, longings, yearnings, desires that rise up in your heart for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And who stirs up these longings in your heart? No one less than the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Did you catch where these longings rise up? What does Paul say? In every believer's heart, Paul says, and he who searches hearts. Whose hearts? Yours and mine. The hearts of all believers. And who searches them? Our all-knowing, omniscient, heavenly Father. And what does he find when he searches your heart? He finds inexpressible longings for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's really astounding if you think about it. How can this be? How can this be? If you are in Christ, if you have repented of your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, then we're talking about your heart. We're talking about our hearts. How is it that God searches our hearts and finds longings for his will to be done? How can this be? Well, the answer... The answer is that the spirit of the risen Christ dwells within you. The spirit of Christ, the resurrected Christ, dwells within you. So, God, the Son, became man. He lived for you. He died for you. He rose again for you. He ascended to heaven for you. He will come again for you. And until that day comes, what did he do? He sent his spirit to live within you. So not only does Jesus intercede for you today, right now, but so does his spirit. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of the resurrected Christ. He's within you, stirring up groanings, inexpressible longings that are too deep for words. At this very moment, the spirit intercedes for you according to the Father's perfect will. No analogy is perfect, but here's a try. What is Paul saying here? Here's, here's an attempt at an analogy. As we rejoiced in earlier, we have many babies and toddlers at proclamation, and they are learning to talk. Um, they are all a delight, learning to talk. And have you ever tried to talk with someone else's toddler? Have you ever tried to talk with someone else's one-year-old or 18-month-old, or 2-year-old, you almost need to pull out your phone and get out Google Translator. It's, it's tough. Even better, even better, though, is a parent. As you're there, maybe on your, on your knees, trying to engage with this toddler and understand what he or she is saying so passionately, I don't understand. What is it that you're trying to say? Along comes a parent who just chimes in and says, oh, he's saying this. Oh, he sh- she's saying that. In a sense, that is what the Spirit does for us, for you. Like a parent, he takes our longings 
and he translates them. Father, here's what your precious child is saying. He longs to do your will. She longs to do your will. They don't know what to pray, but I do. I do, and I pray for them now. In their suffering, according to your will, may your will be done. That is just what, well, it's an analogy, but that's like what the Spirit does in our hearts. Like a parent understands a child, so the Spirit understands us and prays for us. So our handicap and our helper, and this brings us to our third and final point, our hope in prayer. Our hope in prayer. Our hope in prayer is that someone's prayers are always answered with a yes. Someone's prayers are always, always answered with a yes. And they're not mine and yours. As we all know, the Father sometimes answers our prayers with a yes, sometimes with a no, sometimes with a partly yes or a partly no, sometimes with a not now, wait on me. My grace is sufficient for you. Our Father answers our prayers in any number of ways according to his perfect will. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. But someone's prayers to the Father are always answered with a yes. Always. Whose prayers? The prayers of the Spirit. The prayers of the Holy Spirit. Revel in that truth. Revel with that truth. The Spirit prays to the Father for you. He intercedes to the Father for you according to his perfect will. Brothers and sisters, what this means is that God's will is always accomplished in your life. Always. Your Father's will, his perfect, wise, good, loving, kind, righteous will is always, always fulfilled in your life. It's always accomplished in your life. How could it be otherwise? How could it be otherwise? The Spirit himself is interceding for you according to the will of the Father. Once again, remember the context. Suffering, then glory. Suffering, then glory. So we suffer with Christ now while we wait to be glorified with Christ. So in our sufferings now as the people of God, in the midst of our sufferings, the hard things of life, what is true? Well, here's what's true because the Spirit prays for you. Because the Spirit intercedes for you, you are never alone. Never. You are never alone. You are always being prayed for. God's will is always fulfilled in your life. All things will always work together for good in your life. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You don't know what to pray, and it's okay. You have permission from your Heavenly Father to not know. It's okay. You are always secure in His perfect will. Why? Because the Spirit prays for the children of God. Do you want a sneak peek into the next verses that we'll get into in Romans 8? Troy's not here, so I can, I can say this. What's the, what, a sneak peek. 
we will learn, and these are such familiar verses, such familiar truths, well-loved truths, we will learn that for those who love God, all things work together for good. We will learn that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The question is, how are all of these things true? As we continue on through Romans 8, how are all of these things true? Well, one reason, one glorious reason, one reason that God wants you to know in his word is in these two verses. One reason all of these things are true is because the spirit of Christ perfectly and mercifully intercedes for you. So what is God's will? What would he have you do? We sang earlier, an afflicted saint to Christ draw near. When called to bear your weighty cross, or sore affliction, pain, loss, deep distress, poverty, what would God have you do? What is his perfect will for you in the midst of all of these sufferings? Do you ever feel at a loss to pray? What words do I even use? Well, the truth is that you don't know what to pray for as you ought. And this truth is not meant to discourage you. It's not meant to discourage your prayers. Quite the opposite. Paul diagnoses our weakness in order to shine the spotlight on the power of God that's made perfect in our weakness. So Christian, the ascended Christ has given you the crowning gift of his resurrection. The crowning gift of his resurrection. Jesus has graciously given you his own spirit who intercedes, who prays for you according to the Father's will. And will the Father answer the prayers of the Spirit? Of course he will. Always. So be encouraged, brothers and sisters. You suffer now and are waiting to be glorified with Christ. But your Father is able. Your Father is able to do far more abundantly than all that you ask or think. After all, the Spirit of Christ prays for you within you. The Father is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to his power that is at work within us. Amen. Amen. And it's my privilege to lead us in prayer. As I said earlier, what Paul writes in these verses does not discourage our prayers. In fact, I think the very opposite is true. As we come to God, we acknowledge that we acknowledge our weakness and acknowledge that we don't know his perfect will. We don't know how, we don't know the ins and outs of God's perfect, complete will, but the Spirit does. And we can come to God, our Father, with freedom and confidence and humility. He hears us. He hears us and he cares for each one of our prayers. So let's pray now and I'll use page 13 and the, uh, the prayer prompts for a prayer this morning. Let's pray.